Hi, I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff, and you're listening to the Double Clutch Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the Double Clutch Podcast. I'm one of your usual hosts, Mike Miller, and I'm joined by another of your usual hosts, Joe Hulbert. Hi there, Mike. Hey, you, you all right? Yeah, yeah, busy times now. Got to go back to work tomorrow, so Fun times. mixed feelings. Mixed feelings. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, for those of you who noticed, and I realise some of you didn't, it threw you a week into turmoil, uh, we, we didn't pod last week, mainly due to the, the sort of Christmas period and people being busier and, and not in the places they normally are and if you between the lines you realize that means uh office parties and general down the pubness um but we're back and we've got uh, a host of topics to get through so we'll get to them as quickly as possible uh we're going to start out west and we're going to go to the somewhat surprising memphis grizzlies who despite losing mike Conley to a fractured vertebra um, have been pretty good. What's your take on them, Joe? I kind of thought, I think last night, buddy, we said they were going to slide down a bit, but then I think they beat the Warriors two nights after. Yeah. <laughs> which was, which was just incredible. Um, I think one of the things is, and it's something that makes me angry as a Minnesota fan, it's like their roster is not as good as ours right now. Yeah. They got so many guys out. Yeah. And like they're still winning games. It's just, it's almost like because they've been used to winning for the last six or seven years or so, they just continue. They're kind of riding that momentum and it's, I'm, I'm quite jealous of it. Yeah. No, I'd agree with that. I think there's a, a significant amount of their success is down to roster continuity because they're not the sort of team that blows things up. Um, and every year we seem to underestimate them uh, and every opportunity we get during the season, we, we forget how good they are. Um, and it was interesting. I was listening to Coach Fisdale the other day talking about why he went to Memphis. And he just said that it was the kind of culture and team that was already in place where he wouldn't have to teach them how to win. He would just go in and, and capitalize on what they already had. And that says a lot to me because this team have a reputation of being winners. They never made it to the, to the, the big show or anything like that, but they are just a group of players with a winning identity. I think that goes a long way. Yeah, and I certainly think, I think the thing I like about them as well is these guys, they're clearly very professional players. They're open to new ideas. Like Mark Gasol has just been a guy who stands in the post for the last five years. Now David Fisdale's turned him into Al Horford. It's like, <laughs> it's incredible. He's got Zach Randolph, one of the big old-fashioned bruises of the game, shooting threes. He's got Tony Allen, like being a ball hander and a pick and roll. They're just... It's really fun, and it's. I think every team should aspire to have that kind of attitude. Yeah, I mean, any time you lose your your highest paid player, you, you would expect some kind of drop off. But they're seven and four without him. Uh, they haven't dropped from being the second best defense in the league uh, in terms of opposition points per game. Admittedly, they're not the, the highest scoring. They're twenty ninth ranked, um, but you don't really need to score if you can if you can stop the other team from scoring, as we saw against the Warriors. Uh, they've beaten a. a handful of well i'll say handful they've beaten seven teams since i um, admittedly I, I, I was on record the other day as saying they needed a trade because fearful of, of them sliding with conley's injury i felt they needed someone else to, to cover the gap and i didn't know where else they'd get it from or how long conley would be out um at the time the, the only teams they'd beaten were weaker teams um they also beat a, a cleveland team that rested all three, I believe, but they've had some other good games where you wouldn't have thought they would even be in 
you know, with a chance with a, a depleted roster, yet they, they've won those and they've been close in another couple where ultimately they lost them. But Fisdale is on record as saying, I'm pissed off we lost those. So there's still a massive amount of competitive desire there. Yeah, certainly. The, I think they lost to the Kings on Friday and he was really, really angry. Yeah, because it was at home as well. And it was the day after. Did, did you see the controversy with that Cavs game? No, I didn't. What? Well, but it, oh, it's not actually during the game, but obviously LeBron, Love, and Kyrie didn't turn up. Oh, so Memphis, yeah. fan, Memphis fans were like, well, we, yeah. because when teams fix prices, when they see it's LeBron, they put the prices up. Yeah. And he didn't turn up. So people had paid three or four times more than they usually would, you know, to watch like James Jones and and Dante Jones instead of Kevin Love and LeBron James. So I think it was kind of a kind of a rough week on and off the court for Memphis, but they could turn it around tomorrow against Boston because Boston have been pretty inconsistent. And with regards to like Mike Conley, we've always kind of spoken about him as underrated, but I think he's showing that he's worthy of that contract because he has been very reliable for them this year. Yeah, he was, com- he was coming off the bench after we podded. I watched Memphis the next night. I think they beat, I think they beat Philadelphia, and Conley came off the bench. So it shows that it's, it's that attitude I was talking about. These guys don't think they're like better than everything. They just do whatever the coach wants them to do, and it's it's really good to see. You you mentioned sort of resting players there. I know that's sort of a, a league wide issue. Have you seen the the new CBA uh, tentative agreement where they're looking at reducing the preseason? By, so it's only the preseason schedule is only within a week, allowing them to stretch the eighty-two over a longer period and allowing for more rest. Do you think that might help negate some of these situations where you know the Spurs have been doing it for years, but now we see other other teams are taking advantage of it where they're they're not playing their guys and like you say, people who work very hard to pay a lot of money to go and see a bunch of rich guys run around on a, a bit of wood are going to be pissed off. Do you do you feel there's you know, this new CBA could help negate some of that. I do. I think that was one of the best things to come out of it. Um, it's going to cut down injuries, which is obviously just going to improve the product because you don't want to go and watch a half injured team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I kind of still, I still got an issue with the pricing. Like I think, I feel like, I don't know if Memphis did. I don't think they would have, but they should have refunded those fans or at least they should have, they should have refunded them the difference between, yeah like a, a you know a ticket at home to the Kings or the Sixers to that Cavs ticket. I understand that they're businesses and obviously the demand is going to be bigger to go and watch the Cavs than it is the Kings who they played after. But there's a, I think it's a good step, but I still think the franchises themselves could do a little bit more there. Yeah, I think particularly with Memphis where it is such a small market, they need that established fan base to keep coming back. And so they can't, they can't, well, it can't annoy them in those situations. I think you're right. If you refunded the difference between a standard ticket um, and an inflated superstar team visiting ticket, then I think that that fine, that's fine and will appease everything. Um, but in general, I think the Grizzlies are doing fantastic without Conley. Um, he, he should be back in a couple of weeks, I think I've read. So it'll be interesting to see whether they skip a beat with him coming back or whether they just carry on as they have done in his absence, winning games and, and looking looking like a strong contender for maybe even getting home seed in the playoffs. Yeah, the the only issue there is that the Rockets just look irresistible right now. So, I, I mean, obviously you've got the big three in the West, although I'd argue the Clippers aren't part of that anymore because they're 
Dot Rivers is coming back to his usual self, but, but <laughs> I just think making the playoffs would be an incredible achievement with the hardship they're overcoming. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. As a fan of like a basement Westie night, because I speak to Denver fans as well and Pelicans <laughs> fans, and we're us three teams are just like, what the hell is going on? Because we're all healthy. New Orleans are completely healthy now. Denver are fully healthy. I don't know what's going on over there. But like, and Memphis are winning with Andrew Harrison at point guard and, you know, Jarrell Martin at power forward. It's just, it's incredible. They are doing very well. I think that a lot of that though is, is that this is a savvy veteran team with, with some really strong locker room presences, which I think, I think teams like Minnesota, your, your Timberwolves currently lack that. And it's a learning curve for you guys because I think in, in five years' time you guys are going to be an absolute beast. Whereas the Grizzlies, and I'm already underestimating them again. Uh, I don't think they'll be at, at that level anymore. On that note about veteran savvy, Tony Allen is out of contract this summer, and supposedly Memphis are listening to offers. Now that doesn't necessarily mean they want him to go; they're just being open. But I think that's an interesting one to watch before the deadline because Memphis obviously want to keep him, but he might not want to stay. Yeah. He might want he want another champ. I think he won one with Boston. I might have got that wrong. Uh, I but think you're right. He might want to chase it again. So that's going to be something very interesting to watch because he is the heart and soul, not just to, for me, not just to that team. I might, I visited Memphis about I don't know eighteen months ago or so. And he's the heart and soul of that city. Like his his name is everywhere. I was chatting to people outside. I went to the FedEx store. I was chatting to people outside, and they were all just saying Tony Allen this, Tony Allen that. He's the key guy there. Mr. Grit and Grind. They love their blue collar work ethic guys like him and Zach Randolph. But I think one of the, one of the unique things that makes him appealing to, to, to fans is that he's not a superstar athlete and he doesn't have a shot. He can still thrive in this league without two of the key attributes you'd think you would needed to have to survive in this league. He just, you know, purely on defensive instincts, he's still in, he's still getting a pay packet essentially. Yeah, he is. He, I mean, Kobe Bryant retired and Kobe said that he gave Tony Allen a pair of signed shoes, didn't he? And said, you were the best defender I played against. So that just shows he's so well-respected around the league. And he could be an asset if they are going to move. I don't think they will, though, because I'm with you. I think they're competing for a, a top-four playoff spot. And I just I just don't think you, you trade that. This is a team that's committed to winning, and hopefully it will continue for a long time because I like having them at the top because I think they offer you something different. Yeah, totally agreed. Um, so we'll move on from a team that doesn't know how to lose to a team that suddenly discovered how to win. Uh, we're going eastbound to DC and the Wizards. Uh, they're, they're six and two over the last eight games. In fact, they're five and one over the last six, and they've beaten they've beaten the Bucks, the Hornets, the Pistons, who are all sort of lower end Eastern Conference playoff teams. They've also beat the Clippers last night, which I'm sure we'll get onto in a second. Uh, their only two losses came to the Heat and the Magic. What's happened? These guys have really turned it around. I think they're playing like they should have in the early season. I just think that's what it is. I mean, on paper, some people are probably higher than... I'm higher on them than most other people. But, like, you've got... I think that's arguably the best backcourt in the Eastern Conference. Wall and Beal. Um, if it's not them, it's the guys in Toronto. You've got... I'm not a huge fan of the front court, but you've got options in there. Gortat is just a consistent guy. And it seems Scott Brooks's message is getting across, because I... Um, I watched them at the start of the season and I think they lost to it was Philly. They lost in Philadelphia and they were absolutely dreadful. They were booed off. So it was, I'm glad they turned around because I think this has been, I think they've underachieved in the last couple of years. Apart from that one year where they had Paul Pierce still 
throwing it back to like 2002, but yeah. I I think they've underachieved, and I'm glad they're turning it around because I think the playoffs is better with the best players in it. That's just my view. I'd rather watch them than like the Magic or the Bulls. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, to me, the Wizards were on the sort of precipice of being perennial playoff stars, and you know they were sort of the darlings for a couple of years with that with that young backcourt, but they, they've never. I don't think it's Wall necessarily. I know he's frustrated. Um, it, well, he was certainly at the beginning of the season, but winning changes everything. But for me, it's it's Beal. It's all about Beal. He had 41 last night. For me, Beal lacks consistency. He could be one of the top twos in this league, but he's his, his legs are already... He's, he's running around. He's, what, 23 or so? He's running around on like a 43-year-old pair of legs. And to me, that's, that's the biggest concern for them long-term. They've managed to get Markeith Morris out of the headlines and into a productive like role as and that to me is probably the biggest uptick that I've seen this year to last year. Yeah, I think it gives them spacing. They they've always lacked that for me because Randy Whitman's like this old-fashioned coach who thinks you can still play two bruising big men and win consistently, which I don't think you can. Some might argue against that, but yeah, Markeith Morris he's a talented guy. I still don't think he um I still don't think he achieves as much as he should. I think he can make every shot. He's athletic, but his his attitude's obviously, a, as Ross would tell you, a massive, massive problem. But he played with a lot of energy last night against the Clippers. I watched that game back, and he was everywhere. He was setting screens. He was hitting the boards, and Clippers didn't really have an answer to him. And that's the thing. The Wizards, they're playing hard now. They're a young team, and what they've got is athleticism, and they've got that they've got that physical ability over other teams and John Wall has just been incredible what a player he is and yeah he is he's phenomenal i think i think he's underrated as a as a point guard i think he's absolutely fantastic and worthy of a, an all-star spot this season certainly um i think it's also important to highlight the development of Otto Porter who i think's becoming a you know he's never going to be a a superstar, but he could be a solid sort of third or fourth option going forward for the next sort of eight years or so. You know, all he needs to do is sort of averages seven and twelve, and he'll he'll be fine. Um, what are you, what are your thoughts on Porter? Well, it's interesting just there because Zach Lowe said about it's probably two or three weeks ago that he spoke because he's obviously very well connected, and um, he said that GMs think he's going to get a max contract this summer. Wow. Okay. And I'm not sure myself if he's a Mats player, but it just shows you what's being valued in this year. Defense, three-point shooting, yeah. athleticism. Like He ticks all three of those boxes, and someone's going to pay him a lot of money. Yeah, I think what we're going to see with a lot of these contracts now is that people get, well, we've seen it before, actually. People are going to get paid on potential rather than their actual productivity, and that's one of the benefits of being able to sign for sort of five years at a time. Uh, how old is he now? He's 23. He's averaging 13.4. Uh, and 7.1. So, I mean, they're not numbers that jump out at you, but like you say, at 6-8, being able to defend, that's that's what the league wants to go in that direction. That's what they're trending towards. So, yeah, max contract. Wow, I, I, hadn't, I hadn't even thought that far ahead yet. It's going to be interesting because he's kind of, he's been in the league, I think he's entering it, I think this might be his fourth or fifth year. So the fact he's waited before signing, because they have offered him deals before, the fact he's waited, he's going to get himself paid. Because if he'd signed this like two years ago, I think he would have got kind of like, I don't know, backup money. I don't want to call it backup money, yeah. but 
he wouldn't have got a max contract two years ago. That's the same with Jimmy Butler, wasn't it? I mean, the Bulls tried to sign him for cheap, and he said, no thanks, I'll, I'll, I'll take it myself. And he ended up all in doubling his money within a season. So it's just in, it's just incredible how how many players are willing to take their future into their own hands and are, are sort of banking on themselves and walking away with house money. I'm very interested to see, though, John Wall, if I were bought a signs a max contract at the Wizards because they can afford him, they'd be crippling themselves, but they can just about afford it, I think. John Wall is going to be the third highest paid player on that team, I believe, which that's got to piss him off a bit. Yeah, he's not he's not happy being the second highest player on, uh, paid player on that team. He's also not happy earning less money than, is it Reggie Jackson he, he kicked off about last season? Yes. This is just a guy with a chip on his shoulder. And I think, I mean, realistically, with the new CBA, we're going to see renegotiations coming out any earlier. It's uh, it's difficult, but I think wherever John Wall goes, he's not going to be the, the highest paid player for a couple of seasons yet. It's just whether he can suck it up and, and deal with it. And he's not even getting sneaker money at the minute either. I think he's a, a sneaker free agent this year looking for a contract there. So it's not even like he can bump up his, it's not, well, it's not exactly a meager salary, is it? Um, yeah, I think I think in a few years time, he will definitely reap the rewards of his play. Yeah, I agree. He's he's so consistent. Like you were talking about Beal's inconsistency. That's why I find this team bizarre because Beal might be the most inconsistent player I've seen in the league. Wall might be the most consistent player I've seen. I'm just looking at his assist totals for the season. It's generally consistently ten or above. Yeah. Obviously, obviously he has the old game where he gets five. You know, people don't shoot properly, but he's consistently delivering, and he rebounds as well. A good defender, mm-hmm. so. And he's one of or, the quickest end to end. He is. There's a there was a vine of him. Actually, vine doesn't exist anymore. But there was a <laughs> there was a video of him yesterday where he was Otto Porter. He was a fast player. He was running down the court, and John Wall was faster than him with a basketball in his hand. So that's just how amazing. Yeah, he's such a talented player. And it's the thing: the Wizards are kind of they're not irrelevant, but they're one of those middling teams that. Yeah, they're not really bad. Like the Philly is so bad that we've kind of given them a lot of attention over the last couple of years with Embiid and all that. Yeah. But the Wizards, they don't really get any attention. They kind of they're a bit like the Nuggets. They just they're a middling team. They go under the radar, and we don't realize how good some of these players are. Yep, totally agree. So Wall possibly an All Star this season, and if he's not, you will definitely hear about it from his camp. Um, but that takes us nicely on to the New Orleans 2017 All Star game where it was announced today that for the first time, NBA players and media will join the fans in selecting the starting lineups for the game. You want to share your thoughts on this? Well, obviously it means that we're not just going to see Kevin Garnett starting anymore, which is good, because <laughs> he was he was still getting in at like the age of 39. But I kind of like it. I don't feel the fans should decide everything. I, I think it balances it a bit because you don't want the media just being elitist and picking their picking their boys, but you kind of want a mix of everything, and it's a decent move, I guess. But this is the thing with all-star selection. There's always going to be someone who's annoyed because you can't put everyone in. It's been yeah. John Wall in the past. It was Towns last year. A lot of people thought – I didn't think Towns should have been, but a lot of people thought he should have been. Uh, Gordon Hayward's not been an all-star either, so yeah. – you're always going to get these guys missing out, but maybe the media will change that because the media aren't going to be biased against the Jazz in a way that, you know, like a Boston Celtics fan would be. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. The bit I like about it is is I think it might be able to stymie the effect of, like last year, Zaza Pachulia almost made the vote because 
the the country of Georgia were all just <laughs> voting for him. And you know, if we go back to when Yao Ming was playing, I mean, he was a quality player, no doubt about it. But to have him voted in ahead of Shaq, come on now, Shaq didn't start. That's that to me. That's 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 not right. Like Shaq was by far a, a much better player, a more dominant force, and than Ming ever became. Or Yao Ming makes him sound like he's from Flash Gordon. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so I think it's good that way. I know I've seen some people have said that you know f- fans shouldn't even be voting anyway, and to me that's not right because the, the All Star Game is the fans' game. That's that's what it is. So you know. The, They've been voting for it since the 70s. So, but I like the fact that they're incorporating players' choices into this. And I actually think that players' choices should be incorporated into things like the, the All-NBA team and things like that. And maybe this is the first step in towards go, going down that sort of route. Yeah, I agree. That's what the NFL do. Where the, every pre-season, they do the NFL 100, where the players vote for the 100 best players in the league. And although there's obviously some questionable decisions, it's obviously better that they vote on it than the fans because the fans you know i'm a i i'm guilty of it as well when when the minnesota all-star ballot comes out i stick all of them in i even put <laughs> i'll even i'll even put like brandon rush on the all-star Brilliant. ballot <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just think it's good for balancing it because it's it's kind of like you get the best of both worlds in a way uh, but I'm interested to see if it's weighted differently for the reserves and the starters. Yeah, that that'll be interesting um, because historically fans have only voted in between the starters and then the coaches have picked the rest. So I wonder if that's it's still the same. I haven't seen whether that's been confirmed yet. I just I just think it's I think it's a a good move by the NBA in general just to show that they are listening to people internally as well. Because I know that media have grumbled about things in the past and, and, and players have grumbled that they don't have a say in these sort of things. So I think overall it's it's a good move. It'll be interesting to see how it all sort of uh, pans out, but you'll be able to start voting on Christmas Day um, and then the first updates for where people are. So you get to see if Brandon Rush has got a vote on Thursday, January the 5th, <laughs> uh, and then you get to see if he's got two votes on January the 12th. It'd be an interesting one because this this All Star game, I think they're going to try and make something really big of it, especially having had to relocate it uh, from from Charlotte. It was because of the uh, one of the laws about what was it? It was about uh, it was, uh, tran- trans yeah, transgender people, toilets. You, you you had to go into the toilets of your gender of birth, and uh, some, yeah, it was very law. very culture- yeah strange yeah, yeah. Um, strange strange. Um, they do have some wacky laws down there. That, yeah. <laughs> although they today I saw they've they've repealed it, so it's I think what Adam Silver will do, he'll he'll give Charlotte maybe next year's All Star Game or the one after. Yeah, because that's I mean that was I know the Hornets at the time um, protested heavily against it uh, before even the threat of, of of the game being removed came about. So it's, it it was good it was good to see that the NBA acted on the threat and, and when you know didn't go what the answer wasn't what they wanted they said fine you know get the game um and hopefully that played a role in in impacting the decision to change that but that's all politics which is not really what anyone's tuned in to listen to um so as i said you can start voting on christmas day which takes us nicely on to the sack full of games that we have next sunday um so we'll just quickly go over them and, and joe you want to shout out any that you think are particular ones to watch the first one's tipping off at 
midday Eastern time, which for us will be about, is it five o'clock or? Yeah, it's five o'clock. And that'll be the Celtics versus the Knicks. You got, you got any shout on that? Uh, I think that's classic. You know, they're just picking the big teams, more fans, more ratings. Yeah. The Knicks have been better than expected. I mean, if it was last year's Knicks team, I'd just be like, you know, get out of here. Yeah. But they've been okay this year. So that, that should be a fight. It's a, quite a big rivalry, although I don't really know who's going to spark that rivalry on either side because, you know, KG's gone. Tyson Chandler used to love that as well. But, yeah, it's a, it's a big rivalry, so it should be a half-decent game. Yep, and it's it's at Madison Square Garden. Knicks have been pretty good at home. Uh, I, I think they're, well, they're better at home than they are on the road, so that should make it a lot closer. Um, difficult to call. Do I go Celtics? Do I go Knicks? Uh, I'm going to go Knicks, which is always a difficult thing for me to say. Let's go on to the next one, which will be Chicago at San Antonio. That, I think, is going to be a Spurs win. <laughs> I don't think there's two ways about that. 20, 22 and 5 against 13 and 13. I don't, I don't think Chicago have the, uh, the, the capability to, to beat the Spurs at home. No, I think we killed the Bulls off. I watched us play them. Uh, they had a 25 point lead and they blew it. And obviously, it just seems that they're, they're diving off a cliff right now. Yeah. I mean, they're still, I think they're tied for seventh in the East at the minute. Uh, so that they're, they're not, they're not, they're nowhere near as bad as we thought they were going to be pre-season. Um, but, but it's the Spurs. You can't, you, you can't beat the consistency of the Spurs. It's, it's a very difficult thing to do. Um, so then at eight o'clock, we have, oh, in fact, I've missed one, 2.30. I missed the big one. Warriors Cavs finals rematch in Cleveland. I'll definitely be tuning into that one. I'm not sure about some of the others, but yeah, I think I think people are fools if they don't watch this. Yeah, so that's going to be about 7.30 UK time. People are going to be passed out because they've eaten too much. It's the perfect time whilst they're napping to just sneak off, stick this on. This this could be a really good game. I know that the Cavs have sort of been up and down a bit recently. Uh, they're still 19-6. and six. Warriors are 24-4 and four and are just on an absolute tear. Uh, was it they are... Uh, did they have their highest score the other day against the Blazers? Uh, 140. Ouch. No, they've had more than that. They had 149 earlier this year, didn't they? Uh, I think so, yeah. I think they might have had their most threes against the Blazers. So this is this is going to be... Um, I think this is going to be a good game. I, well, I like, why wouldn't I? I think this is going to be uh, definitely something you need to put down your turkey and go and watch. Um, okay, so then we've got Eight o'clock Eastern time, so just add five onto that. You've got your Timberwolves visiting the Thunder. Yeah, that could be it. We're we're on a bit of form at the moment, and I I don't think the Thunder are built to play from behind with this current team. No. I think they're a team who need to get ahead. So if we start well, I think we'll win that. Although we do have still have third quarter troubles, which is really annoying. Yeah, well the key the key to beating the Thunder is is to get the ball out of Westbrook's hands to start with. So that you, as soon as you get that lead and it's sort of 10 points or so, give it back to him and try and watch him just do it all by himself and eliminate every other player on his roster at the same time. That's, that's, that seems to be the key to beating them. Um, he is mercurial in his talents. Um, I think, I think they, I still think they're favorites to win that at home. You might, you might beat them, but I would go Thunder on that one. Um, which takes us to our final game and the Battle of Los Angeles. Clippers at Lakers, although 
could be Lakers or Clippers. It's definitely at the Lakers, but they share the same court, so. <laughs> So that honestly it depends which clippers turn up. If they turn up, they'll absolutely destroy them. If they don't turn up, the Lakers could get a revenge win because the Clippers have had their number for the last couple of years. But yeah. I mean I doubt I'll be awake for that one, gonna be honest with you. It's three thirty <laughs> in the morning. It's it's gonna be a, a late night for sure, and, and I I know that a lot of people won't make it up that long. So it might be a league pass the next day. It's on BT Sport. In fact, all all five are on BT Sport. Um, for me, Clippers are obviously a man down with Blake, who's out for three to six weeks. He's going to have surgery on his knee. Uh, but they should still have enough weapons to take out the Lakers, even though the Lakers have been better than – well, they were better than expected until recently, and then they just slumped um, through injuries and, and all kinds of things like that. Um <clears throat> And that'll wrap up the, the Christmas Day five-game bonanza. So now we'll move on to some questions that uh, we've had sent through to us via the medium of Twitter. I'm just quickly finding them, hence why I'm stalling like that. Uh, we had the first one was from Daniel Gibson. Do the Kings consider trading Boogie this season? Is there even a trade market for him? And I know that you were very pleased to hear this question. I was. I was originally thinking that actually the Wizards, uh, who we also brought up earlier, would go for him. But Cousins had an incident about a couple of days ago where he just started swearing at a reporter. And, you know, although I kind of see his side, you, you can't behave like that. Being a, You're paid a lot of money as an athlete and you're going to get criticised. It's just part of it. And, you know, you can't just cry about it. So I think the trade market seems dead. I think it was Howard Becker reported that he asked a couple of general managers if there was a trade market, and they all said no, no one will trade for him. So I think I think the Kings are more screwed than Cousins, though. Because at the end of the day, Cousins still getting paid a lot of money. He's getting a lot of recognition for being maybe the best center in the league, but the Kings, that's their big asset, and they can't move him even if they want to. Yeah, okay. I, I see where you're coming from. Uh, to put some context around the, the clip that went out, you're talking about in the locker room when he's effing and blinding at the dude. Um, yeah. So that, that guy had written about the nightclub incident with him and Matt Barnes, and he, he'd somehow referenced he'd referenced DeMarcus's brother as well, who's another public figure, although I, I don't know who he is, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Um and I think it was to do with the fact he brought his family into it, which, and so you can understand people being angry about things like that being brought up in the press, but you are right. He is a public figure himself. He needs to expect that people, people earn a living about writing about him. Um, so he, he's, you know, going to be in the press sometimes for things that he doesn't want to be in, which actually is more often than not these days with Marcus. Um, he also has an issue with uh, another guy who he, for, for one particular Sacramento based site, which he will, you know, there's clips of him refusing to speak to any, uh, anyone in the, the huddle in the locker room afterwards, um, and actually confronting him on the court as well. I think, I think this is similar to Markeith Morris. If he was not in the same situation, he wouldn't be like this. Markeith has got quiet as soon as there are a couple of wins. Or, or even like a handful more wins than he was getting um, in Phoenix. I think it'd be similar with Demarcus. In terms of what Howard Beck's being told, obviously he has his sources that are, are 
will be solid, but I'm very um, suspect of what a GM will say publicly and what a GM will actually do privately. I think if DeMarcus Cousins is on the table, publicly you say, no, not interested, so you can drive his price down, but privately you say, yes, please, um, cut my hand off. Yeah, certainly. I mean, he could push a team over the edge. He's that good. He can he can even shoot now. That was always kind of the concern. He can George Carl got him to take outside shots. So I think he'd be an ass to a team, but you have to have a strong head coach in place. Which yep. I think the Kings do have, to be fair. I yep. think Dave Yeager isn't the guy who's gonna take crowd. I mean he benched him, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. He he's he he's not known for being a pushover. Uh the thing that I think goes against Demarcus is that he's on he's under contract this year. I think if they don't shift him this year, his his trade market, his trade value is going to go through the floor because he's not going to stay after seventeen eighteen. I mean, the, the new CBA is going to encourage people to stay, but if he does stay and take the money, then he clearly doesn't care about winning. This team has has not ever, you know, it's not done anything in his time being there, which is just it's, it's disappointing. If he decides that he wants to wallow in mediocrity with a huge wallet then then fine but that's never gonna it's never gonna well it might get you in the hall of fame <laughs> but I, I i'm not confident it's gonna you know provide him with a glittering career saying that though that they seem to be making a push recently so they're 10th in the west and they're only a couple of games out eighth spot so they they could still pull it together before the season's over yeah they certainly look a lot better than they did last year especially defensively but matt um, Demarcus Cousins needs to stop hanging out with Matt Barnes. That would be a good first step. Yeah. Matt Barnes, Matt Barnes is bad news. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I remember saying very early on in one of the pods we did this season that this is a a toxic roster. There are far too many guys on there who are um, they're productive in the right environments, but this isn't the right environment, and there are too many of them together. That it, it's too combustible. Um, Hopefully, Jaeger has has enough uh, force of presence, essentially, to to be able to manage these guys. And like I say, he's managed to keep them in tenth. I think they were down at like fourteenth at one point. So they're slowly creeping up. I don't see them getting the playoffs still, though. Um, in terms of a trade market, I think there's always going to be a trade for Demarcus Cousins. It just depends on the price that the Kings would be willing to let him go for. I don't think he's going to go for. Um, perhaps what he truly should go for because of the desperation of the, the contract renewal and things like that. But I, I think there's always a market for someone like Cousins. And if I was the Kings, I would have been trying to ship him within the past six weeks before this broke out anyway. Yeah, it's certainly something they've at least got to explore. I know they're trying to win, but he he's so valuable that you can get a lot for him. You know, yeah. the Wizards, for example, the Wizards would have to give up Bradley Beal or John Wall for him. You're getting a guy there who could be a franchise player. So, also, can we just get this out of the way? The Boston Celtics do not have enough to trade for DeMarcus Cousins. I just wanted to get that out of the way. <laughs> because because this is, we're at the point of the year where Boston fans start overrating their assets. They'll go like, oh, this team could really use um, Kelly Olenek. No, they couldn't. No one could use <laughs> Kelly Olenek. You know, I just want to go because I I don't think there's many teams that can afford him. I think the Wizards can. I think maybe the Heat could have a run at him. You know, if you throw Winslow and Dragic in there, but 
the Celtics can't get him. Unless they throw in like just a ridiculous ton of draft picks, but I would have thought that they'd learned from the Nets that that's not a good idea. Well, they've got a lot of picks that never belonged to them in the first place, still haven't they? They've still got another Nets pick somewhere in the line. They've got the right to switch this year's picks, which I'm, I'm assuming they're going to take. Yeah, they can't trade uh, the right to switch any, either, anyway, I don't believe. No, you can't trade that. They've got next year's Nets pick as well. But the Nets, I mean, they've not been terrible this year. So mm. feasibly, if they... If they add a free agent next summer, they might, you know, what I'm saying is that's not a guaranteed top three pick, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah. So if you're getting the eighth or ninth pick, yeah, it's good, but would you give up to Marcus Cousins for an eighth or ninth pick? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure myself. Absolutely not. I, I wouldn't. I'm looking at, if it's going for the eighth, ninth pick, it's going with two or three players as well, and, and they better be starters. So that's, that's the thing I think. I think Demarcus's value and what people are willing to pay for him are too too far apart at the minute. I think that uh, he he should be. He's the kind of guy that you would basically decimate your roster for. I've heard a lot of Portland fans talking about potential trade there, but I think they'd be giving up CJ McCollum, and that's that's almost twenty five percent of their scoring gone. And admittedly, Demarcus can pick up the load, and they need rebounding. But then, well, Alan, Alan Crabb can step in as the two, but I, I don't think that's even feasible, especially with the cap room that Portland now find themselves having, which is the highest, second highest payroll in the league. And it's just, uh, that's, that place is a mess, but I'll, I can chat about Portland all day. Uh, we'll go on to the second question, which is from, uh, well, it's either from Minotaur or Minotaur, however you say it, uh, Minotaur de France. Do you think the games with an 8 p.m. UK tip-off will continue? Uh, Minotaur, I'm going to call you. Uh, I've been able to watch a live game, but I sense they are not as keen on them in the USA. They'll continue on a Sunday for definite. They've they've always had that. But you're right, there have been a couple of... Um, I think there was one last week on Friday. I think it was Nets Magic, which obviously I didn't watch, but... Very few people probably did. <laughs> not many would have tuned in for that one, but... I think during NFL season, no. But I think when the NFL... Because obviously it's about ratings, isn't it? Yeah. You know, if you stick a game on on a Thursday night, you know, a big primetime game, you know, stupid because there's a Thursday night NFL game. But I think I think we'll start to see more of them when the NFL's finished. Yeah, that's 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 probably a, a large part of it. I know that Silver is very aware of the NBA's global pull anyway, and and I know that a lot of this is 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 a pro European move to give us the chance to, you know, watch things without having to stay up way past our bedtimes. Um I I think it's gonna continue as long as there's an appetite in, in Europe to watch the games. And I think I, I mean we're very fortunate that we get the the London game. I appreciate that. Um, I'd like to see more Saturday games at eight o'clock or any games at eight, eight o'clock. But I realise that it's a lot earlier and it's a lot more difficult for the West Coast. I know that it causes issues with players because they they're creatures of habit, and if they suddenly start having early tip offs, they they say it messes with their their nap times, which is <laughs> seven foot tall grown men complaining they didn't get their nap time makes me chuckle. But I know that sleep is a very serious part of their preparation. Um, I I think it's always going to be there. We've had a couple of 
we've had a couple of days this year. There must have been like national holidays or something. Uh, maybe it's Thanksgiving where we had like a, a really early, like five o'clock tip this time. It must have been like midday there, maybe even earlier. And I was, I was a little bit blown away by that. And, but you know, the more of them, the better. But for me, they need to be big games. They can't be, they can't be nets and magic where you probably have more UK fans than people in the building. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I think Silver's aware of that. That he's got to kind of put. I mean, our NBA London game this year. It's I mean, it's it's not great, but it's better than I think we've had in the past. I mean, there's that's two playoff teams. I think, or well, certainly roughly, they could be playoff teams. So hopefully, we'll get a great team over here soon. Yeah, I, I think that's they always. I think they're quite consistent in how they pick the teams. They always go sort of middling to lower and I, I think that's I think that's deliberate just because they wouldn't sell, necessarily sell the tickets um, if the game was hosted at whoever the designated designated home team was I was I was quite excited when it was announced because pre-season I was very high on Denver I thought that this was this was a team that could break out they played particularly well after the all-star break last year and I thought that this could be their season to really push for a sort of sixth seed, maybe. Obviously, they've, they've fallen far short of that at the minute, but it's still a, a team loaded with young talent. Uh, on the other hand, you've got the Pacers, who anyone pre-season would have probably picked as a as a sort of mid-to-lower playoff team in the in the East. They haven't been as good as we'd expected, but you still get to see Paul George, you still get to see Miles Turner, who, for anyone who hasn't cottoned on to yet, is, is, is a beast and is going to continue to be a beast as he, he goes on. So I think there are two two good teams there. Um, yeah, um, I, I, I kind of agree with that. But did you see Larry Bird's comments earlier on the Pacers? They were bizarre. I, I haven't. No. What were they? Sorry, sorry to go off top, but he went... The reason we're not we're going to be inconsistent this year because we've got too many guys who can't defend and too many dribblers. But he's the GM, so he's put this roster together, and he's essentially saying that it's a bad roster. I just found it very strange. Yeah, that is strange. Larry's been saying some strange things the past couple of years, though. I wonder if um, <laughs> the cuckoos are flying the nest. Oh, that's a good one, <laughs> wasn't it? Um, but he he's. I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah. Why would you criticize your own roster like that? Because it is you, all that's going to do is damage your standing in any potential trade talks. Anyway, that that is a bizarre move for a GM to make. Yeah, very, very. So those I mean, those two teams. I think when they the Nuggets and the Pair when they made it, I, w- I was thinking I was with you on Denver. I thought they were going to be good this year, but they've kind of both underachieved. But at least we get some good players because we had Melo a couple of years ago. Yeah. The best but thing about we, that game was Antetokounmpo, though. Oh my word! Uh, yes, <laughs> uh, that's a whole another whole another conversation, right there. Carry on. Yeah, they, they, I think I think it should be. It's two teams who try and play basketball the right way as well. We've had a couple of defensive slugfests in the past, which people don't want to watch. That people want to watch dunks. They want to watch three pointers. They want to watch fast breaks. They want to watch Paul George just destroy people. So I think I think they've marketed this one quite well too. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe maybe by then Denver would have traded for a star because they got enough assets. They have got a lot of assets. It's going to be really interesting to see what trades are made because I always feel that there's a lot of talk and you know rumors are constantly every day about this big trade that's going to go down. But I can't remember in recent years a massive trade. So I, I, I would man, like to see. Man- 
Mello, the last big one. When was that? 11? Uh, yeah, 11. They got like Gallinari and other players for him. Yeah, so it's five years ago. <laughs> a scarily long ago. Like I'd, I'd, I would love to see a big trade, but I'm getting more and more um, pessimistic that these sort of things happen during the season now. Um, but that's not to say it won't. And if you're a Denver fan, keep keep your you know keep dreaming about it because it might still come to fruition. And but if not, I still think they've got enough talent there to to uh, compete in the West. It's just a case of developing everyone, which is difficult to do during an NBA season. So that was a protracted way of saying get ready for the uh, the NBA London game in less than a month. Uh, you got anything else you want to add, Joe? Yeah, I'm going to start the Demarcus Cousins to Denver rumors. Okay. On this podcast, I've just given birth to them, so that's that's a rumor. <laughs> do it. That would be um, that would make the game a lot better if he was there. I do have a lot of for the way he plays. I think he's one of the most unstoppable guys in the league. I just think he's a beast. I think in the right situation, he is. He like you said earlier, he he's the guy who pushes you over the edge. But on that note, we will let you get back to your festive preparations. Um, if we don't speak to you all again, have a good Christmas. If you are looking for a last minute present and you, or you've even got some Christmas money, as some people do, uh, make sure you check out Hardwood Ventures. And if you're in the Newcastle area, they're having a relaunch party this weekend, um, formerly known as Basketball Megastore. Uh, they've got loads of gear and they've got some new stance mystery boxes. So I might have to get one of them just to see what kind of socks I end up with. They must be better than all the other Christmas socks you get. So that's been the Double Clutch Podcast. I've been Mike Miller. He's been Joe Holbert. See you later. He's a superstar. And that's a big difference between role players, star, all-star, superstar, and superstar plus plus. Timmy is superstar plus plus. He's by himself in his own league. By himself. Um, and as everybody said it, he, he was an unbelievable teammate in a way that is hard for you guys to see because he didn't do it the conventional way. He didn't do it bumping chests or you know, talking on the media or things like that. He did it quietly uh, in a hotel room, in a, in a locker room. I, and the, the last comment I'm going to make uh, before... I promised I wouldn't use this tissue, so I'm not going to do it. Uh, this, is the, this, this is the most important comment that I can make about Tim Duncan that uh, I can honestly say to Mr. and Mrs. Duncan, who have passed, that that man right there is exactly the same person now as he was when he walked in the door. To all you in here, the fans, all of San Antonio, thank you. The, the, the love and support is overwhelming. Thank you, Coach Pop for being more than a coach. For being more like a father to me, thank you.